Hello everyone and welcome back to Long Live Rock and Roll Podcast. As usual on the screen opposite me is my good friend Mr. Felipe Amorim. Felipe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Excellent. Yeah, good, thank you. Good. I can't wait to carry on this discussion because I was really enjoying it. Um for those who didn't for those who have listened to the episode two weeks ago, we were talking about when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And obviously we are not talking about <laughs> we are not talking about T Rexes and Stegosauruses and all that stuff. We're talking about the dinosaurs of rock music, the old bands who are still going. And this is just a discussion to basically find out, you know, why? What's in it for them? What's in it for the fans? Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Last week, we touched on live performances. What is in it for a band if they're doing new music? You know, you've got the money, you've got the nostalgia, you've got the, you know, the addictiveness, the addiction to making music. Um, and this week, we're going to talk a bit more about sort of actual releases and actual bands um, in terms of what they've done and did it work or not. So, Felipe, at the end of last week, you were you, you started to discuss ACDC. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so ACDC is an interesting uh, case because I think Angus Young said in an interview that it's 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 wrong when people say that they've recorded, they've released uh, ten albums that sound the same because they actually released eleven albums that sound the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those are they his words? Yeah, yeah, that's Angus Brilliant. Young himself, <laughs> and uh, it, it is and. Honestly, um, for a band like them, why would they sound any different? Right? It's not yeah. like that kind of music. It's it's like you, you just want to, you know, have a good time and head back to those songs and it's and 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 jump and shout and sing along. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like what that, we said on the last episode about Iron yeah. Maiden: a winning formula. Yeah. Why change it? Yes, exactly. For. for I, I understand that for bands like them, you you shouldn't. It's not that you shouldn't change, but what's again? What's the motivation for that? Why yeah. would ACDC try to not sound like ACDC? Having said that, so um, I still think it's kind of hard to stick to the formula because some some sometimes people think, oh, you know what? If you just repeat yourself, oh, that's easy. Well, is, is it though? Like yeah, uh, when you think about when you think about, um, for instance, country music and blues, those are genres that that they are they have a very strict way of being played and 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 written and performed, and the great names in those genres are people who can uh, keep writing interesting and new stuff without escaping. You know, from the uh, from from the basic rules of this style. So that's not not that's not that easy. You know, so I think in, in rock and roll is the same. So when you think about um, ACDC specifically, uh, when they released Black Ice in two thousand eight, they were already dinosaurs, right? It feels like ages ago now. I think about two thousand eight, right? But I'll tell you, my my experience with Black Ice was like um, back in Brazil. Uh, I had a student who was like probably twelve years old, and he said, "Well, do you know what? I want to learn Black Ice." I said, "What? Well, what do you mean the the album?" So yeah, I want to learn all songs in the album. Wow. So I said, oh, "Okay, cool. Let's do it." And so we 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 we've been for the whole album, and I, and I thought to myself, "So there's there's a young kid in South America, in South America, who is." into ACDC in 2008. Yeah. So it's like, how 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 did they manage to not only like 
uh, uh, find this this new listeners, this new audience, but with their new material, right? It's not like the kids were listening to uh, only Highway to Hell, you know, Back in Black, those songs. They, they were listening to the new material. So I think, uh, that means there's still there's still life in it. Yeah. Well, I think another positive aspect of the of the situation you've just mentioned is that on top of that, what that then enables that young fan to do is to go back to the older albums and know that he's going to like them. Or or ACDC will know that he will like them because it's the same kind of stuff. You 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 won't be disappointed if the band is sticking to the formula. And exactly. you might even find them better. I think what I liked, again, I'm going to uh, keep talking about this album because the sound of the album is just great with the modern production techniques and, and the mixing and, and the whole equipment. It's just, in my opinion, this, it's a better sounding album than any ACDC album, right? So that's that's the technical elements of it. Uh, and they're playing, this as, because we're talking about the, the, the relentlessly touring um, routines that those people have. There's no way their playing would get any worse. Actually, they got better as musicians. Yeah. They, they can play with more accuracy and 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 this and in their case i believe this you have the energy which is something you tend to lose with age it doesn't happen with everyone some people they actually get better and they still have the energy they still have the love for what they're doing and, and it come it, it, you know it, it comes uh, uh across in the music you can hear it you can feel you know the, the vibe i guess so i, I think, think i think i think, I think yeah. angus young has batteries in his shorts that charge him <laughs> charge him up through his ass and he just <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta have it yeah it can't, yeah that's I mean, not, you, that's you talk about human. black ice which was 2008 yeah. but they released power yeah. up two uh two years ago in 2020 and that did, yeah. that did enormously well people were so happy with that and again same kind of ACDC, same kind of songs, no sort of 17-minute prog epics, but why change? You know, we said this earlier. Yeah. I think, why does a point in the fans? Yeah, <laughs> a really good example, and one I'd like to flag up. Um, we spoke on the last episode about Iron Maiden, and I kind of did my own personal list of, you know, I just want to say again, Iron Maiden is consistent. The songs are always good and they're always Iron Maiden-y. But as albums, some work better than others. Maybe more thought is put into the, the song list, how many songs to put on, you know, stuff like that. But Metallica, I think, is a, this is a really good example because... What Metallica had, I mean, you guys remember when we did from our Metallica episode, we spoke about the the timeline of Metallica and from uh, in the 80s, they had their thrash period. At the start of the 90s, they had their accessible metal period. In the late 90s, they had their kind of garage, you know, grunge era. Then they did some sort of hybrid stuff like that in the early 2000s. But then in 2008... You got Death Magnetic, which, funnily enough, the same year as Black Ice. Um, in 2008, you had Death Magnetic album, which was just a fantastic amalgamation of everything Metallica had done up to that point. And so they wrote the songs with all their experiences from the past 30 years, and they produced it in a modern setting. And the album was fantastic. I mean, in my opinion, I know it wasn't for everyone, but I just thought it was fantastic. And then eight it doesn't, later, it doesn't have to be for everyone, does it? No, 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 of course not, yeah. <laughs> then eight years later, they did another album called Hardwired to Self-Destruct, which was the same thing. I didn't think it was as good as Death Magnetic. It was, you know, I thought it was a little incoherent in terms of the song order and all that stuff. But same thing, giving the fans what they want. It was a really well-produced album, and you've got all these 
not new Metallica ideas, but taking the best parts of everything they've done previously, sticking it into one album, just like Death Magnetic, and releasing it. So I think those are two really good examples for Metallica and ACDC, where the newer stuff, despite the fact they are, quotation marks, the dinosaurs, um, this is good results. Uh, Felipe, do you you know, are there any examples you want to talk about, about where the results haven't been good? One of the bands I like the most, Rush, they, I think they had a solid career, but at some point when they did, uh, I don't remember the years or dates of, of, of the uh, the releases, but they did uh, Presto, is a great album. And they so they started like going more into the keyboard stuff, more into like, it sounds more like in terms of production, a lot more like pop music and modern electronic music. And the rock fans were disappointed, you know, like the, 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 the hardcore um you know uh, uh, rock and roll fans they were rock like no, fans, we yeah. Want, yeah we want to, we want to listen to the you know distorted guitars and you know uh high pitched vocals and kind of stuff and then i think uh when they released they, there's a there's um there's a great album they released when I, i've been to their tour oh, how do i forget the name of the album my God, Vapor Trails, Vapor Trails. So that is a, that's a phenomenal album, and it's heavy as fuck. And I think when Alex Lifeson said to the other guys, "Enough with the keyboard shit," I just want to play the guitar. <laughs> yeah. I just, let's make let's make this loud, dirty, noisy. And, and there's you know there's like, um, you know, double kick on the drums. Like looks, it sounds a bit like Judas Priest at some point. Like it's really like they heavy. And there were oh there were already dinosaurs. I think thirty years of band or close to thirty years on the road, yeah. and they released that. And and I saw them live playing those songs, and and they were smashing it. And it feels to me like they they were kind of unhappy with some stuff they did before. I said, okay, we need to push. We need to try something heavier now we need to go back to the roots i think that happens a lot with bands that keep experimenting because we're talking about two completely different things when we when we were mentioning acdc and iron maiden those are bands who have the formula they're happy with it the fans are happy no one expects them to do anything different when you talk about metallica or rush or or pink floyd those guys are famous for trying new stuff yeah very good point and and if you simply repeat the formula then uh, then people don't don't actually want to buy it the problem is when you go too far from your roots then you actually i think you probably feel the need to go back and that's what rush did maybe maybe metallica as well you know maybe uh, even pink floyd with the the endless river which the last album is just instrumental you know like it's just them playing a jamming studio pretty much um you know to some old tracks they had uh recorded by richard wright so uh, it's it's kind of yeah. Let's do something simple. Let's do something that we have done before, and it, it, it will probably work. And in most cases, I think it it does. But again, um, the problem with an album is you don't actually know how good or bad the album is until you listen from start to finish. So it's, yeah. it's it's you know it's it's tricky, isn't it? Also, if you release a bad album after like four or five like epic albums. It's kind of understandable. People expect your creativity to drop a little bit, yeah. and you know, it's, a, but, a certain level of forgiveness there from the fans. I think, I think so. I think so. So I, I, I'm. It's, it's it's difficult to 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 point at albums that I 
kind of don't like when I think about it because I, if I listen to an album and I don't don't like it, I just I completely forget about it. I go back <laughs> to the stuff I like and listen yeah. to it again. It's like well, it's in, just a in Sorry, no, go on. Yeah, no. no, I was just going to say, again, I haven't listened to this album, but I'm just doing this for my notes. Um, where have you gone? Okay, here is here is probably the dinosaur of all dinosaurs. These, this is the T-Rex <laughs> of the rock and roll dinosaur world, all right? <laughs> Bob Dylan. Wow. Yeah, right. First album, 1962. Yet since 2010, he's done five albums, and the latest was called Rough and Rowdy Ways, which was released in 2020. Bob Dylan's an interesting one, isn't he? Because we could do a whole episode on whether Dylan is a musician or a poet, but um, but, yeah, but he's he's a he's a he's a bloody conversation in himself, but. There's a certain, you know, go back to what I just said. Is he a musician or is he a poet? Because lyrically he is stunning. Can he sing? No, not really. Let's just be honest and sort of say, you know, he is. Oh, Laz Unleashed right there. Another one. Okay. Right, another Laz Unleashed. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think, I feel like, I don't know if this is Laz Unleashed because I feel like Dylan probably knows this. It's not me criticizing him. It's just like, so anyway, yeah, I don't think, uh, I think Bob Dylan is more of a poet than a, uh, an artist or music artist. Um, because I'm going to put that phrase on a t-shirt with your name on it. And I'm going to send it to Bob Dylan. And, <laughs> and he'll wear I, it probably. He'll, he'll be like, yeah, that's true. It would, do you know what I mean? I think it's, it's, it's my dream that someone like yeah. him, um, goes on social media or whatever and says, "Who the fuck are you guys?" Yeah, and then we <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Bob Dylan, now he's he's interesting because there, there have been any time he releases a new album, all the way his fans are there just saying, "Bob, please stop!" Like, just we've had enough. But yet he doesn't, and this is what makes me think. When I said in the last episode, I said about. Not the nostalgia, not that he wants to try and emulate, you know, his his classic albums, but he maybe he just has so many ideas and he wants to get them out somewhere and simply writing his lyrics down as poetry isn't good enough. So he wants to transfer them to music and release them. And even if even if 10% of his fans only like the new album, maybe he feels he's doing them a service by releasing yeah. Well, I'm, I think um, for a guy like him, it's more like, you know what, I just want to keep doing it. Yeah. And uh, I've seen this interview with, with Paul McCartney a few years ago when he says something about, uh, basically someone asked him, are you doing it for the money or for the fame after all these years? Uh, or, or, or uh, Basically, the person asked him, is it, is it about money or fame? Uh, or actually... Let me rephrase it properly. They said, in the past, it was about money and fame. Why are you still doing it now? And he said, money and fame. But as a joke, <laughs> of course. But so, no, uh, and basically, his, he, he, he ends by saying, like, um, well, I've been doing this since I was, like, 20 or, or even younger than that. So I don't know any other life. That, that sums it up. Yeah. For a guy like McCartney, uh, you can argue that some of his solo albums are not half as good as the stuff he wrote when he was playing with the Beatles. Or, uh, but th- does he have to be good, though? That's the question. I, I mean, Does he have to be that good? I mean, obviously, you expect well, some quality. Do you expect the new McCartney album to be as good as Abbey Road? I don't. No, of course. That is the whole point. So 
if you if you keep your expectations to to a, uh, a decent level, then you're probably not going to be disappointed. Exactly. Yeah. I think. I, I didn't manage to catch up with his stuff now because he, he keeps releasing stuff. He finishes an album and starts recording the next one, and I, which I, I respect the guy for doing that because yeah. um, um, Abe Laborio Jr., who's his drummer, said in an interview about, I think that was like in 2002 or something. It was like already a long time ago. He said, well, uh, it's really interesting for someone who has done so much for for music it's really interesting that he still wants to deliver. He still wants to do more. Yeah. And, and it comes back to being an artist, right? Just constantly having this flow of ideas and, and yeah, ideas, lyrics, and music in your head that you just want to get out. I, I think when you, when you have like one album that it's not that good, it kind of challenges you to, or maybe I'll go back in studio and do something better next time. Yeah. Uh, I, the the problem is if you release two or three consecutive albums that people don't like, and I think this maybe time to call it a day. But something I said before uh, in the show probably is the why not trying, you know? Because why not try to do something um, something new, or, or why not record an album if you have the time, the money, you know, the facilities for it? If you want to do it, because uh, you don't know what's going to happen, and if you don't do it. You would be thinking, well, what if you know? What if I tried one more time? What if I, you know, tried to, to bring those new songs into life? And that could that could could be done, but if you don't do it, you, you would never know. And that's so, one yeah. one message to music fans out there: if you don't like it, don't listen to it again. <laughs> so, don't be disappointed. Oh, you know, my, you know, my, you know, my, you know, my favorite artist had just released an album, and I think it sucks. Okay, listen to the old stuff then. Yeah. Just don't don't think that I don't think that like a bad album should ruin the band's reputation. They try, you know. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's it. If it doesn't work for you man. specifically, yeah, this, don't listen to it. This hits home for me because yesterday Slipknot released a new album and it was okay. Some good songs, but a lot of people complaining and saying this is not the Slipknot we knew we know or love. And um it's just very interesting to you say that because you're right, and I've never sort of considered it in that way. You know, if you don't like it, go listen to this. Well, stuff. mind you, Slipknot's not going to play the whole album live, the new one, no. probably because they have so many classics. You know, the songs that people expect them to play, so they're probably going to add two or three songs from the new album to the set list. So you know, it's go and buy a beer or go to the yeah. toilet for the play that one. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk now about a gentleman um, who's obviously very important to the world of rock and roll and heavy metal, yeah. uh, and his latest album. Uh, the gentleman is the obviously the the well known Mr. Ozzy Osbourne, who has just released right. an album called Patient Number Nine. And something I found really interesting about this album, and I thought this was quite a clever technique because. It's almost like to, to come. So, with everything we've said, we know his stuff. Um, for, uh, we know his stuff now compared to the likes of Paranoid, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Osmosis, Blizzard of Oz. It's not going to be the same level. We know this, but what has he done to combat that? We might have. Uh, he he might have thought right. So I know that maybe uh, a percentage of my listeners aren't going to listen to this new album because they don't like how I sound now. He has a huge list of guests on the album. Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Zach Wilde on a few songs, and Tony Iommi. I think he's wow. using his contact list to great effect here. He's released a brand new album, and probably we can all guess 
that the songs are not going to be of the quality of Sabbath and his uh, his solo stuff, you know, the, the the classic stuff. So he said, right, how can I get more ears in? Right, get 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 some famous guests on. Very clever, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, why wouldn't you be curious to listen to an Eric Clapton solo in an Aussie song? You know, it's like yeah, it's, or, or so a, re, think, a reunion of Iommi and Osborne. Yeah, I would be listening for that. It, you know. It does get people, you know, uh, interested in listening to it. So, and um, obviously those guys, they, they, they're good musicians and they are creative enough to do something that is, um, I would say, most likely better than the average. You know, yeah. that's a, and that's and that's a thing, though. I think the fact that those dinosaurs are still, you know, walking the earth makes life harder for new acts you know when you think about you know someone releasing new, new songs and you think well um Ozzy's still doing it and there's some new guy trying to to you know to break into the, the world of, of rock and roll and play you know play bigger gigs and stuff like that anything about it imagine you're competing with people who have been doing that for 40 maybe 15 yeah. years like this their contact list I've, I mean forget those well, guitarists the, there sorry yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's like they, 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 they are part of the industry for that long. They have all the money, they have all the influence, they have the the, the name, the reputation, and don't forget about this. They have the knowledge to do it. It's not like they, they're, oh yeah, they're just there because they are already famous. They know how to do it. That's why they became famous in the first place. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, moving on perfectly from Ozzy Osbourne, one album I didn't, I did want to touch on was Black Sabbath's Thirteen. Um, oh, it's on my list here. Actually, yes, good, yes. Good. because that is an album. <laughs> I thought, God, what if you know? If we if we're gonna rank, do you know what? When we release our book, we should do this. We should do a page of the best dinosaur albums, and what that means is albums <laughs> released by bands that are thirty plus years old. I think this could be number one on the list. Uh, guys, just so you know, every album we've mentioned, I'll pick a song, or I'll choose the most famous song from that album and put it in, just so you have a reference point of what to listen to. Um, but 13 by Black Sabbath, my God. Uh, 2013, so obviously they started in 1970, so you've got 70, 80, 90, 0. 43 years after their first album, and does it sound much different musically? Well, that's the thing, because they basically went back to the formula of Black Sabbath and Paranoid, isn't it? Intentionally, it's not accidentally, you know. So basically, they had a producer saying, let's listen. He made them, what's his name? I forgot his name. My God. uh, Rubin? My memory is terrible today. Yeah. Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. He, He made them listen to the first two albums. I think it's like, listen to what you guys were sounding like when you were younger. And I think you can still sound like that. And it, it sounds to me like that could have been the third or fourth album. Yeah. You know, if, if, yeah. if you, you know, if, if you had a time machine and could send those songs back in time and say to, to, to the, the younger <laughs> Black Sabbath, you guys should record these songs now. And it would be just <laughs> perfect for that time. You're right. So, yeah. But music's timeless, isn't it? It is, yeah, and you know that they, they. That seems to me like an example where everyone was happy. Sabbath got their money. They must have gotten the same thrill because of the music they were writing, because it was sounded so much to their old days. The fans got what they wanted in terms of a new album that sounded like the classics. 
it was a win-win for everyone. And this is why I think it's just such a fantastic example of a dinosaur album that went completely right. Another one that I think got right that I want you to talk about, because I know it's probably on your list, is Whoosh by Deep Purple. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, talk to us a bit about that, because that was fantastic. Can I just say something quickly? Let yeah. me just say quickly that I, 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 I love Deep Purple. I have this thing with artists where... Some of them I love for albums. So a gentleman called Cat Stevens, um, who had three albums in the 70s, um, Teaser and the Firecat, T for the Tillerman, and Catch Bullet 4. Those three albums mean the absolute world to, to me. And they're, all three of them are in my top 20 albums of all time. Don't like anything else he's done. But because of those albums, those three, I love the guy. And the, the same for Deep Purple. For Made in Japan, Machine Head, in Rock and Fireball, I love that band. Don't really care for much else they've done, especially the later stuff. But Felipe pointed me in the direction. He said, Laz, you've got to check out Wush. And I was like, uh, it's just like it's a late Deep Purple album. I don't know if I'm really going to like it. And you're like, Laz, just listen to it. And my God, it was brilliant. Talk to us about Wush. Well, do you know what? Just to talk about Wush, I'm going to talk about Perpendicular, which was, uh, if I'm not wrong, the first album they did with Steve Morse on guitar. That album came with a lot of anticipation and a lot of uh, expectations from the fans because it was like, how is this new guitar player who's completely different, how is he going to affect the band's songwriting? And he did affect a lot. Uh, Sometimes I feel like Screaming is one of my favorite songs and it's on the album. And that's Steve Moore's contribution to the band, clearly. And obviously since that that album, uh, they do have their new sound with Morse and he became part of the band. So got it gets you to a point like, okay, I know it's just kind of more modern, like virtuoso guitar playing and then with the old school classic rock, Deep Purple. But they are not a band that tried to stick to a formula. I think they don't care. I've seen Roger Glover say in an interview that, Fashion doesn't like them. It's not that they don't like fashion. <laughs> fashion they're not they're not trendy. Is it's not what they are, and they don't want to be, yeah. and they don't have to. And also, Ian Pace said like a few times that he believes there's enough people out there to buy this stuff. They do, so they don't need to adapt. They yeah. don't need to try to do. They can just do whatever they want to do, and they jam when they're writing songs. So I think everything they do is kind of unpredictable, even for the band. Uh, even for them, you know, because they, if they're jamming when they're writing songs, you never know what's going to come up. Uh, I think Whoosh, it, it was like mind blowing for me because I, it you know, I, I had the same yeah. sort of, I was with the same sort of attitude. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to have a listen to one or two songs and then I could stop listening. <laughs> I was like, this is actually good. Uh, my opinion, it does not resemble Deep Purple at all. Yeah. It's like it's a new, it's, it's just like a new entity, doesn't it? But it's not like they they trying too hard to sound different. It's just natural. They yeah. just you know we, that's what we're doing now. That's a really and good point. Yeah, Ian Gillan can't reach some of the notes he he he, he could in the seventies. Think about it. You know, uh, obviously at his age, you wouldn't be able to just sing it the same you know the same way uh, or with the same technique uh, as when you were twenty five. So it's just not yeah. not possible. But he started to write melodies that suit his voice now. It just sounds natural. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. like, oh, listen to me trying to sound like 
the younger version of me that you guys all know. It's like, no, yeah. you know, I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm a senior musician, you know, <laughs> I'm doing yeah. this. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point, man. I mean, I think, like you said, the album did sound natural. It didn't sound like they were trying to be any, and that has to be the that that has to be the reason why it worked so well. Because, like I said, I'm not in general a fan of those later albums by the Dinosaur Bands, but this one was just so different. It really blew me away. Um, Quick, quick, gone. Yeah, you got to think. It's like a slightly different subject here. Some bands they didn't manage to become dinosaurs, like the Beatles. We're talking about McCartney, but yeah, he's a separate entity, you know, as a solo artist, uh, and he doesn't need to prove anything. But the um, the fact that the Beatles break up when they were not even thirty years old, maybe Lennon was thirty. I don't know. I think McCartney was twenty eight, twenty nine. So when they when they break up, they were so young, and they were on a solid. Evolution. If you listen to the first album, I, I mean, well, the first, you know, maybe three or four albums. But when you listen to Ambry Road and compare to, let's say, a Hard Day's Night, Ambry Road is so much deeper and complex and more interesting, in my opinion. Right. So, um, so they, they they got to that point, and you have like Let It Be and Ambry Road as the last, you know, studio attempt, and and then they say, that's it, we're done, for whatever reason. Yeah. And then there's no way anything bad is going to come with the Beatles' name on it because they, they were lucky I, enough yeah. to, to, to split at that point. I was going to ask you, it's hilarious. I was When I was about to change subject, yeah. I was going to ask you about this. And it was to another band I was going to mention. So everything you said about the Beatles is correct. They didn't have the chance to become dinosaurs. And is that a good thing? Because look at their legacy, man. Does anyone have a bad word to say about any Beatles music? I don't think, you know, you've got people who don't like the Beatles, but, but but maybe the first albums are too rock and roll, all right, but what happened after that? They changed, they progressed, they pioneered, they invented, they experimented with recording techniques, and they got to the pinnacle of pop music with Abbey Road. It's just stunning. Yeah. The other yeah. band... Sorry, go on. No, no, yeah, and I think uh, uh, the Stones are the opposite of that because they managed to carry on. But Mick Jagger is a really clever guy. He he made sure they became famous for their stadium performances. And that so is they the are longevity alive. of that. Yeah. Yeah, because they are a live band. Like, you want to see the Stones on stage playing the classics. You don't care if they're releasing something new or not. They actually released some good stuff recently, but it's not and the that, that, you want to see them on stage. That's a clever... Um tactic because yeah. then you don't have to rely on releasing and writing new music every few years do you which is very cool no exactly so the other band i was going to mention in the same breath as the beatles and unfortunately this band only didn't become dinosaurs because of a death and that's led zeppelin because yeah. if you think about it i mean i think you kind of got to a stage where they were start not not dinosaurs because of the age but in terms of the music not fulfilling the fans needs you started getting there, I feel. Would you agree with me? I think you know... I know know we both listen to a lot of Zeppelin, but maybe you know more about them and the fan base. Were people getting a little disappointed with albums like Coda and Presence? Yeah, well, Coda was after uh, John Bonham's death, wasn't it? So kind of oh yes, yeah, but Presence and in through the outdoor. Presence and through the outdoor, yeah. So I think um, that, yeah, some people didn't like... Well, he threw the outdoor... Is very keyboard heavy, isn't it? For 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 Zeppelin's so, standards, so, for, for for the simple reason that John Paul Jones was taking over because Jimmy Page wasn't 
uh, in good shape for for yeah. performing and writing. But it's just the the uh, uh, um, the fact that it's there's still some innovations in there and they're still playing well. I think the, through the outdoor, I like the album. I really like it. Uh, um, but you know, they're flirting a little bit more with pop music. But Can at that point, is acceptable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? As tragic as it was, did Bonham's death save Led Zeppelin's legacy? Yes. Because it stopped them, the journey they were going on, going a bit bit keyboard heavy. His death stopped that. Um, Also, let's... It's not a good thing in any way, but it it saved their legacy, do you reckon? Because they are still considered one of, if not the greatest rock band of all time. You can't touch them. It's just like they've managed to... The, the tragic end of their career kind of wrapped up a you know a collection of great uh, uh, songs and albums. Yeah. So that's, and it that's, didn't, and it and, didn't and, allow them to write more that people would have been disappointed with. And also, when they got together, um, I think it was really clever that, that that Page and Plant got together as Page and Plant when they released new stuff. You know, um, but then think about the reunion gig. Well, the reunion gig was, that was, for me, was phenomenal. Huge. Yeah. But then that's them playing the old stuff. And yeah. people, you know, people were talking about the new album. And again, I would like to see Zeppelin doing something new. Why not? But but uh, it's kind of cool that they uh, they belong to history as a band. Like, that's it. Yeah. Zeppelin is not here. They didn't become dinosaurs in that sense. The, you know, Robert Plant still performing. Yeah. But it's Robert Plant, his solo career yeah, started, at, you know, after Zeppelin. He wasn't, you know, simultaneously tuned to Zeppelin. It was something different. So I think, yeah, uh, it's tragic. Uh, but in terms of the legacy, obviously, not. it, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it was re- really a big tragedy for music that John Bonham died at the such young age because he could have done loads of stuff post sampling as well uh but in terms of the 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 timing for the bands uh um and it's know, the same with the beatles isn't it not not a death yeah. obviously but just deciding to wrap up their career yeah say well because they, they could have actually have continued with another drummer right but it was like oh yeah. could they no one would accept would they so it's just the fact that they are jason was too young back then wasn't he exactly <laughs> Yeah, so not everyone managed to get to the point that they become dinosaurs, right? Uh, here's, a, here's a point. Um, when those people are still doing, like, I'll, I'll mention Guns N' Roses here, because they are touring, like, relentlessly, but they're not releasing too much new stuff. Like, I think they released it. I'm, I'm not really uh, up to date with them, but... Um, they released a single. I don't know, but yeah, I don't think did, yeah. no one no one is that interested in the new Guns and Roses stuff. People want to go and see them play Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, and I think Axel Rose understood that. The problem they have is like people criticize Axel a lot, like oh his voice is not the same again. And I think you got to put it into perspective. You know, I, do you want to see your heroes on stage? Are you prepared for them to not be the version that you know? Because yeah. You know, age is a factor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a really funny story I've got uh, for the, in that same thing. I went to see. So, for those having just mentioned him, those who don't know who Cat Stevens is, he was like a 70s folk singer, but then he converted to Islam and he changed his name to Yusuf Islam. And he's been writing all this kind of religious music since then and up until now. And a few years ago, I saw him 
as Yusuf Islam doing the Cat Stevens tour where he played all of mm-hmm. the Cat Stevens stuff and I saw him live and his age had caught up to him. Um, it wasn't, it was a fantastic show. I had such a wonderful time, but he sang a song. Uh, you, uh, do you know the song Morning Has Broken? No, I don't know that no, one. No, okay, it'll be in the playlist for everyone, but it's a, it's a church song that he converted himself and he he sings... There's a few verses, and it's all the same. It's just a verse, and then a piano part, then the same verse, and it just goes on like that. And he got to a point where he forgot the words, or he started the wrong verse. He went, morning has brought... And he stopped live in front of a thousand people and goes, <clears throat> sorry, sweet the rain's new fall. And so he was like, he forgot the yeah. verse, but he corrected himself. And it was like, you know, do we? why do we need to forget that these guys are old? We don't need... Yes. I, I hope... What I'm saying is I hope no one was there and said, oh, terrible. He shouldn't be doing that. Age is a factor, and these guys are artists. These guys have been bringing sweet music to our ears. Well, I got into Cat Stevens because of my dad. So he's been bringing sweet music to my dad's ears, who then showed it to me, and now the music is sweet in my ears. I don't care. He's old now. I don't care. I, the lyrics. It's like this part of it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So there's so many people criticized uh, Paul McCartney's voice, and I've seen the same with Elton John when he did something on TV or whatever. People like, and I said, do you understand that those guys don't need to be there performing for you? Or they're not there to please you. So I, I think my, my point would be like, if you don't if you don't want to see an old man on stage playing his classics, just don't go to the gig. Just listen to the right. records. Yeah, exactly. Listen to the records. The records are still there. And I believe, uh, to be honest, well, let's I, I don't know if you have anything um anything else you want to say, but uh I I wanted to wrap this episode up with um, the title that we decided for this as as a question. Do the dinosaurs still rule the world? Great question. Great question. What do you think? The answer, I think, is yes, because we are still holding them to standards. Because we are still holding, despite the fact his voice probably auto-tuned, we are still holding Ozzy up as the king of metal not for the music he's currently producing, but because he was the voice of metal throughout the 70s and 80s, and he's still making, he's still here. I think the fact he's still alive is a huge deal. Iron Maiden, yes, we've got hundreds of metal bands coming through now, and they don't sound anything like Iron Maiden, but they all want to get to Iron Maiden's success level. Same for Metallica. Uh, ACDC, rock and roll band, you know, who do you still aspire to be like? ACDC, why? Because they're 40 years into their career and they're still writing. Is it all good? Um, I don't know. I don't listen. But So, yes, I think dinosaurs... Do you, do you know what it's like, actually? It's more like... Um, I don't know. I feel like it's more like the Mafia, whereas in, wherein they're kind of... The, you know, I don't know if you've ever done any research on the Mafia, but all of the crime families, the five crime families of, of uh, America, all the bosses are really old. When you look at Vito oh, Corleone, right. <laughs> they're old. And it's like they are, they're the head of the family because they've got the experience, they know what to do in certain situations, and they've got the respect of other people. And I think the same applies to all these bands. Dylan, Ozzy, Maiden, Sabbath, Pink Floyd, The Stones, Paul I, Simon. You know, he released an album in 2018. His first one was 1964. I think, yeah, I think my, my little comparison there was pretty good, that they're like the heads of yeah. the family. They're old, they they can't go out and assassinate people, but they can, exactly. but they can still, they still command respect. 
Yes, and uh, most people still look up to them, so that especially young musicians. And I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the dinosaurs are still ruling, and um, most of them are doing a great job, especially live. And yeah. uh, it's kind of a a, um, a gift, you know, to, to all of us rock fans that we can still, because rock is going to be, you know, like classical music in a few years, really, because most of those guys are going to be gone. Yeah, you know, and the fact that we can still say, "Well, I belong to that moment in time when those guys were still there." So, yeah. like the guys that my dad w- was listening to when he was young, they still around performing, and it's yeah. insane to think about that. So, yeah, it's and I just want to say one thing. We, um, I started the, the previous episode talking about the first gig I've been to. I'm going to talk about the last gig I've been to because I'm, you know, playing every night, Perfect. doing stuff. It's really hard to find time to go to a gig. One day, uh, my good friend Tom Brundage, so shout shout out to to Tom for that, gave me a ticket to see um, Roger Daltrey. And I'm a big The Who fan, never had a chance to see him. So that was like a, like a month or two months ago, I don't know. I uh, went to the Palladium uh, in London and... His voice was simply amazing really? all the way through the gig. And and he's almost eight years old or something. I don't know. It's like, I mean, he was around when the Beatles were around, you know, yeah. uh, when when you know he's like the beginning, the beginnings of, of British rock music. And he doesn't have to prove anything. No. And he was like, you know, I'm doing this tour because you know, my band, they need to make some money, you know, after lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. You, know, you want that you get those guys on the road. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. He was super like um, relaxed on stage, like chatting to people, answering questions. It was so much fun, and I'm glad he's still performing. So, yeah. yes, he's a dinosaur, and he still rules. Fantastic. Well, man, that's a beautiful place to end the episode. We started the last one with your first gig. We'll finish this one with the um, <laughs> last gig. Um, I, th- I think, you know, we, we said this when we were planning this episode. This does not have to be um, the last one of this discussion. Listeners, we've spoken about the albums that me and Felipe like and consider from our favourite bands. Please get in touch. Tell us about the dinosaur album or the dinosaur bands and the albums that you think were really good, even though they were already dinosaurs, or the albums you think were were bad. Tell us. The email address is in the show notes, or you can comment on our social media. Um, Let us know. And then the next time we do one of these, when we do part three of When Dinosaurs... Do you know what? I love that title, man. When Dinosaurs (laughs) Ruled the Earth. Um, so we, we could, I, I'm definitely going to do that and maybe in a couple of months time or maybe half a year from now we'll do another one we'll do part three and then you've got options for part four five whatever tell us what you like um, about your dinosaur bands and the albums and all that stuff and we'll, we'll definitely get into it next time um, but yeah fantastic place to end it man thanks for that discussion really good and thanks for the topic really enjoyable um, as usual you know find us on the internet search us and you'll find all our social media sites get involved with the conversation um, let us know what you think please like subscribe and give us reviews on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it really helps us get up climb up the charts and get seen by others uh, so we'd really appreciate that um, thank you for joining us and uh, yeah, many thanks to everyone who's been downloading episodes and and uh, sharing and talking. You know, because uh, it's it's we're actually getting more um, um, 
I don't know, more response, more, more, more results out of this than we expected for sure. So it's Absolutely. really cool. We're doing it. We're doing this because we love these conversations. We love doing the podcast. And it's really cool. There's quite a few people out there downloading and listening. And 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 sometimes I meet people like, you know, at the blues bar where I play and it's, oh man, I've listened to the last episode. Really cool stuff. So thanks for everyone who's, who's who has been following us since we started and uh and keep on rocking everyone <laughs> i echo felipe's sentiments yeah thank you everyone for all of the downloads and everything we really appreciate it we're an independent podcast we do this because we love music so yeah as usual take care see you next time and long live rock and roll mm-hmm.